Welcome to the One Crossing Podcast. Here you can find past sermons along with other exclusive content. Our prayer is that God will move in your life even when you are on the go. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, hello, Crossing Church. How you doing today? You doing good? <laughs> Everybody at all of our locations survived the deep freeze. We got through the deep freeze. It's warming up. Praise God for warming up, right? Amen for that. That is absolutely awesome. There's lots of good news out there. You know, we've been dealing with a lot of bad news for over a year, but there's a lot of good news. And here's one. Uh, for the first week, we are back in. Crossing Inside is back inside. Amen. Praise God for that. Uh, we're at uh, Western. We're in Vandalia. We're in five different uh, prisons and uh, correctional facilities. And we are so glad to reconnect with you. We've been praying for you that God would sustain you through this. I know you've been praying for us, and it is great that we have that fellowship back again, that communication back again. Here's another thing to praise God for. This, uh, this weekend is uh, Pike County's 10-year anniversary. Give it up for Pike County. God doing some incredible things there. Lots of things to praise God for, except for this sermon. I feel like Moses at the burning bush because uh, there was this uh, moment when Moses was at the burning bush where he just said, Lord, send somebody else because uh, I'm preaching on worry. Is there anybody in the house that can preach on worry? Is there anybody that says, yeah, I got that. I got no problem with that. I, I, just, don't, I just don't struggle with worry. Don't worry about a thing. Yeah, well, that's not me. So uh, I'm preaching to myself. I'm glad I get to take you guys along with me, all of you at all of our locations. But uh, I know how far short I fall from God's righteous expectation here. So the Bible teaches us, doesn't it? The Bible teaches us not to worry. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about your food. Don't worry about clothing. Don't even worry about the basic necessities of life because God's going to take care of you. Over and over during the pandemic, uh, I would quote a scripture to you from Philippians chapter 4. Uh, because I feel like it's just so practical to be applied during what we've experienced. And this is what it says. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Sure. Okay. Be anxious for nothing. Now, more than a few times in the last year, I've taken the time to break those concepts down into smaller little chunks. Like, what does it actually mean, prayer and petition, thanksgiving? Uh, you know, the, uh, what, what does it mean that you can have a peace that goes beyond your ability to understand? And I did that because I wanted everyone to be able to have practical tools on how not to worry or to be anxious. It's really a pretty straightforward scripture, right? It's really not hard to understand, easy to understand. And apparently, though, it's not easy to pull off, is it? Like, you can say that all day, but can you actually accomplish it? You know, the statistics that are around us right now show us the opposite of that. That's very hard to pull off. 
Half the population right now, half of the population in America is struggling with their emotional and their mental health. Half. So look at your neighbor, whoever you're sitting with. Is it you or is it them? Just look at, yeah, maybe it's both of you, right? Okay. I'm just saying, I'm just saying one out of two struggling with that right now. 37% are actually receiving some form of treatment right now. It has gone up, the need has gone up from 1990 to 2013, that span, uh, the need went up 1,200%. There's over $1 trillion this last year that is being spent on worry and anxiety globally, over a trillion dollars. And when we think about worry or anxiety, one of the worst parts of it is this feeling of being isolated, that nobody really understands what you're going through. They don't get it, right? Know what I'm saying? So what do you think the pandemic did to that? If that's the way you already are, that you feel isolated and people don't get where you're coming from, what do you think the pandemic did to that? It was like throwing gasoline on a fire, wasn't it, right? Because we've been told to stay away from each other at a time when we desperately need each other. We've been told to cover our faces with a mask, and how much communication do you do, like empathy and communication through your facial expressions? And now you can't even see them. Can't tell if a person's smiling or frowning. You can't hear the inflection in their voice because it's muffled, right? It's maddening when you think about it. And on top of all of that, we've been quarantining. We've been socially distanced. We have basically starved ourselves emotionally. And all of this was to protect our physical bodies and the physical bodies of other people, right? your physical body. But how much concern have we had for how it's taking a toll on us emotionally or mentally? As if all we are physical beings. Now, Jeremiah is a prophet in the Old Testament. He wrote two books, the book of Jeremiah and the book of Lamentations. And in the book of Lamentations, Jeremiah captures similar feelings to how you might be feeling. Maybe it's a little over the top from where you and I are right now, but he does capture this in the book of Lamentations. And let me give you the context. Jerusalem, where he lives, has been completely ransacked by an invading army. It's been destroyed. It's been leveled to the ground. It's in ruins or burning. The surviving people from this uh, invasion have been deprived of the basic necessities of life. They're dying in the streets. And the prophet Jeremiah is walking through these ruined streets. And as he's doing that, he begins communicating his thoughts. That's what we're reading in Lamentations. So what I'm going to do is I'm I'm just going to share with you where his thoughts are. I want you to see how he communicates with God because it's pretty bold. In Lamentations 3, verses 1 to 9, he says, I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of the Lord's wrath. He's driven me away 
and made me walk in darkness rather than light. Indeed, he has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. He's made my skin and my flesh grow old, and he's broken my bones. He has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and hardship. He's made me dwell in darkness like those long dead. He's walled me in so I cannot escape. He's weighed me down with chains. And even when I call out or cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has barred my way with blocks of stone. He has made my path crooked. In verse 17 and 18, he says, I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. So I say, my splendor is gone and all that I'd hoped for from the Lord. Wow. Have you felt like that? Any part of that reach your heart today? You know what? Some of you might say, wow, that, I, I feel like the pandemic has made me understand that scripture a little better. Maybe there are many of you here today that the pandemic is only a small, small part of what you're facing right now. Maybe it's more of a chronic problem that you were dealing with long before you ever heard of COVID-19 or all of those other phrases that we've been using that you, and it's something you've been facing every day. Maybe you've been fighting it for years. You know, sometimes well-meaning Christians or preachers, they over-spiritualize this reality by quoting verses, and then they say this, why don't you pray about it? You know what I'm saying? Like it's like some easy, like just, you know. That doesn't go very far, does it, sometimes? Sometimes it doesn't go far at all. Just like what Jeremiah said, I pray and you aren't even listening. You shut out my prayers. I want to struggle, I want to share uh, with you a struggle. And this is transparent for me. But something that I've just gone through. Okay, I feel like sometimes God, he puts these things in my life because he wants to teach a lesson through him, not just to me, but through others. So I'm, I'm going to share this with you. It started on December the 10th. On December 10th of this last year, uh, I was getting my second shingle shot. So I don't know how many of you have had the shingle shot, but I had chicken pox when I was a kid, so there's a one in three chance I could get it. I've seen other people that have gotten it. I don't want it. So my doctor encouraged me to get it. The first shot I had, man, I had it in my, I, I wasn't even thinking about arms, so I had it in my right arm, that, and I'm right-handed, which was a big mistake because it like, like wiped my arm out for a couple of days. And I had COVID in July. My wife and I had that in July. And I have to tell you, it's not, I know it's not true for a lot of people, but the effect of that shingle shot for me was worse than COVID, that first shot. It, it just like knocked me down. So December 10th was the schedule for my second one. I'm not looking forward to it, but at least I had the presence of mind to say, put it in my left arm 
because I you know, don't use my left arm the same amount. So I had my second shot and it was actually great because I didn't really have much of a, of a response to it. So I was thankful for that. On the 17th of December, just a week later, I'm getting ready for bed. I take off my shirt. Allison looks at my back and she goes, what's that? And there was this lump, it's right here. She goes, what's that? And I go, I don't know. So I'm this guy that kind of goes, well, is there one over here? You know what I'm saying? It's like, I don't mind if there's one over here, if there's a matching one over here. But unless, you know, because the, the you know, you're supposed to be like symmetrical. So like, maybe that's just a muscle I didn't know. It's a squishy muscle. No. So I did a telehealth visit with my doctor and, uh, and he was having, you know, my, uh, my wife palpated and he was, we were trying to describe it. He goes, I don't think it's a big deal. Let's just wait for about four weeks and see if it goes down. I, I was thinking it might've had something to do with that shingle shot that maybe I had a hematome or something like it bled into my tissue. And I think that's what he thought as well. Cause it was only like an inch away from where I had that shingles shot. Well, it, it didn't go down. So you know what I did? Same thing you do. I started looking on the internet. <laughs> you know what happens when you look on the internet? What happens? Yeah, you're gonna die 17 different ways. Just pick which one of those 17. Yeah, it's scary, it was scary. You know, my doctor says, don't read that stuff. It'll, but I did, yeah, I can't help it. I'm a control freak, so I did that. So I had a doctor appointment scheduled because after that, he wanted to actually see me. And so I go in the office and he looks at it. He does the pal palpates it and everything. And, he, and he's like, yeah, I don't think it's anything to worry about. Probably that whole hematoma thing. I'm ordering an ultrasound. Okay, so if it's nothing to worry about, why am I having an ultrasound? So I had the ultrasound, and now they have this thing where they, you can like get on your chart, right? You can see it, and it, it says, <laughs> there's a word, and the word is mass. Now, if you're Catholic, that's a good word. <laughs> but I'm not a Catholic. So that's not a good word, okay? So it's not like a liquid thing, it's not a hematoma, it's a mass of some sort. And so my doctor uh, talks to me again, he goes, yeah, probably nothing to worry about, I'm ordering a CT scan. Okay, so I'm going, well, all right. Well, then my insurance company denied me on the CT scan. That kind of frustrated me, and so then my doctor said, yeah, okay, uh, so I'm gonna have you see a surgeon. All right, so like, I'm still trying to deal with the whole, I, I read the internet, I'm still trying to deal with, okay, this is nothing to worry about, but I'm going to consult with a surgeon. Anybody, is anybody connecting with my story? That was a couple of weeks ago. And I'm a big baby, so it really scared me. And uh, it got a hold of me. Worry, anxiety really had a hold of me. It's not like it doesn't generally have a hold on me, but it really had a hold on me. 
So I came to church on Thursday evening. Clayton was preaching. And I came to church on Thursday evening, and I was spun out. I mean, just really spun out with worry and stress and anxiety. I was going to see this surgeon the next morning, bright and early, 8 a.m. So I was scared, worried, anxious, you name it. I want you to hear me. I knew all the spiritual answers. I knew them all. Most of the scriptures I have memorized. But just because I know the answer doesn't mean I could engage it. I put on a good face. People came up to me. They said, how you doing? And I lied to them. Oh, I'm fine. <laughs> I don't know how many of you may remember this. This is just 48th Street. Some of you would not have experienced this at your location. But at 48th Street, this was a youth worship weekend. So there was a bunch of Fuse kids and high school kids up here. And uh, I'll tell you what. I, I can't tell you what that did for me to see junior hires and senior hires completely engaged in worship on this stage. It put me in a much better place. Just that. Just that. Watching that was so hopeful to me. And then we got to the decision time. Now, this is not a diss on Clayton, but I really can't tell you much about what he preached. And it wasn't because it was a bad sermon. It was just because I was going through all of this other stuff in my head. And it was just really hard to listen. Anybody ever experienced that? And then the song was played and sang. And it's a song through it all. And inside that song, uh, there is, it is well with my soul. And we got to the part of the song where the words are, so let it go, my soul, and trust in him. The waves and wind still know his name. Just broke me. I'm back sitting over there, halfway back, and I'm crying. And I'll tell you what God did in that moment for me. The anxiety storm began to break. It was like God, Jesus in the front of the boat, putting his hand out, speaking to the waters in the middle of the storm, going, peace, be still. And I could feel him calming the storm inside my heart. That's what he does. He can calm the sea. Now, I'm telling you something. That's just me. That was just me in that moment, that Thursday night. I cannot tell you what Jesus will do for you in these moments in your life. All I can do is tell you what he did in mine. Because God works in a unique way with every human heart. But I can tell you some things that you can do. If you're relating it all to what I'm sharing. And... And so the, the rest of what I'm going to say to you, I just want you to take in and see what might apply to you when it comes to worry and anxiety. I want you to understand the difference between the things you can control and the things you can't control. You know, Jesus devoted 10 verses in the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. 
He devoted 10 verses to the topic of worry. And inside of that, that's right in the middle of the sermon, by the way. It's just the heart of the sermon. But in Matthew chapter 6, verse 27, he says this, Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Part of the worry that I was experiencing was a worry that I, I had because I couldn't control this. I couldn't, like, change it by force of will. I want you to think where you are. You've been anxious. I've been anxious. You've been anxious with COVID. You've been anxious with government. You've been anxious with politics. You've been anxious with racial inequity. You've been anxious about your employment. You've been anxious about your future. You've been anxious about your children's education. And the list goes on and on and on. You have to learn to focus on what you can do and then give God what you can't do. If there's anything that 2020 has shown us, it's shown us to how, how many things are completely out of your control. Because what we end up wanting to do is like, think about like two boxes, right? And in uh, and, and this box, uh, I have all the things that I can control. And in this box, I have all the things that I cannot control. But I'm not giving these to God. And instead of going over here and dealing with the things that I can control, I keep going over to this box and trying to take what's in this box and move it over into this box. And I... That is a futile effort because there are a lot of things in life you just don't have any control of. Like, I don't have any control of. Now, let me apply that. I can't control COVID, but I can control my attitude toward others in the midst of it, right? I mean, there are people that have just flat lost it when it comes to their relationships with other people. If you don't believe it the way that I believe it, if you don't walk it out the way that I walk it out, if you're wearing a mask, if you're not wearing a mask, if you're this or if you're that, you know what I'm trying to say? You see, you're taking the thing you can't control, which is COVID, but you're also messing up the thing that you can control, which is your attitude toward other people in the midst of it. And instead of glorifying God, you're getting completely spun out because you're trying to control something only God can. I can be Christ-like to those who have a different opinion than me. I can do that. I can be a calming force in a turbulent time. I can't control race relations, but I can be a good friend. I can be a good listener. I can strive to be more aware. I can do that, can't I? Concentrate on the things you can control. I can't control politics. But I can realize that only Jesus is going to solve our deepest problems. Amen? I can't control chemical imbalances in my brain. If I have a problem with my serotonin levels, that's out of my control, right? But I can go see a doctor. I can speak to a counselor. I can discipline myself through the pursuit of my relationship with Jesus. I got to quit worrying about the things I can't control and turn those over to the Lord and then concentrate on the things he's given me. Go back to Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, 
And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And then we want to stop, because it's such a good place to stop. But if we took a little longer, we went to verse 8 and verse 9, this is what we'd find. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put that into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I may not be able to stop anxiety or worry, but I can starve it. I may not be able to stop it, but I can starve it. Because the more you obsess over a thing, the more you give it power over your life. And if our lives are filled with other things, good things, like what it says in verse 8 and verse 9, then we're not allowing oxygen to the things that keep us pushing the hamster wheel, if you know what I mean. Next thing to remember is this, that God is in the upper story. You find him there in the upper story. Now, a bit ago, I shared Jeremiah's pain from Lamentations chapter 3. And when we read it, there's no doubt, but you can feel that the lower story is pulling Jeremiah down. And when you think about that visual of something pulling Jeremiah down, there's actually a story, a physical representation of that, of Jeremiah, in the book of Jeremiah chapter 38. You know, he's a prophet, and so he tells, like, the people in charge what God thinks about what they're doing. Well, usually God's mad about something, and sometimes the people in charge don't like hearing it. So the king at that time was so angry with what he heard from Jeremiah, he had him lowered down into a well as punishment. I want you to think about this picture because the bottom of this well had no water in it, just mud and muck. And Jeremiah is an old man. And so as they lower him down into this well, he just sinks. In Jeremiah 38, he just sinks in this mud and in this muck. And you know what? I mean, some of you probably have like walked in a muddy place and like walked right out of a shoe. Have you ever had that happen? before because it just sucks the shoe right off your foot. Imagine if you're waist deep in something like that. You just flat can't move. You're stuck in the bottom of a well. So how dark is it there? How isolated is it there? How alone are you there? And all, when I read Jeremiah 38, it, you're, you're just picturing the lower story. It's the lower story. This is where we get stuck down in one of these places, right? And we're all sunk down in this, in this mud and this muck of our life and our, our past and whatever it is, right? The, the things that we just can't seem to manage. And in the middle of that story, they leave him down in this well. There's a man by the name of Ebed-Melech who is a servant in the king's palace who takes pity 
on Jeremiah, and he goes and begs the king to let him get him out. It takes 30 men, 30 men, to pull Jeremiah out of that well. Ebed-Melech takes a bunch of rags so that Jeremiah can put them under his arms so when they have to like, exert all this force to get him out of the well, they can get him out of the well. And that tells you something about what worry and anxiety does to you and how it can hold on to you. 30 guys to pull him out of that well. You know what I think? I think there's people right now in this room and in all of our locations right now, online right now, inside right now, who feel just like Jeremiah down in that well, stuck in that mud muck. That's what I think. I think the lower story's got you. I want you to look at Lamentations chapter 3 again, because you just saw, you just heard Jeremiah vomiting up all of these verses about how God has left him. But then after that, in the same chapter, he declares this, verses 21 to 24. Yet I, this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Circumstance didn't change. He's walking through the streets. He's seeing all of this devastation, all this hardship, all this pain. Nothing's changed, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new. Every morning, great is your faithfulness. He has to call it to mind because everything around him is saying something else. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. I will wait for him. Mm. On Friday morning, because you're wondering, aren't you? On Friday morning, after that Thursday evening service, I went to the surgeon. Now, I'm a control freak, and I'm a worry nut, and, you know, okay? So, I can tell you what I'm doing. Same thing most of you do. I walk, you know how they, they, they weigh you, so you have to have counseling after that. <laughs> so, after they weighed me, they put me in an exam room. Now, I'm going to tell you how I come into an exam room. I scan that room. I'm scanning that room because I know something about doctors and nurses. They put the stuff in the room ahead. Like they have the room like staged for you. So I'm thinking biopsy. I'm thinking scalpels. I'm thinking I'm surgeon surgery, right? So I'm going, what's he going to do? There's going to be sharp instruments in there. I just know it. So I'm looking for that steel tray with whatever instruments they are going to use to torture me. That's what I'm doing. Nothing in the room. Nothing in the room. I wanted to know what more would be involved. <sighs> I had a great Thursday night, but the anxiety was still right there at the door. Right? Doctor came in. Told me to take off my shirt. Made me sit on that thing with the paper. Examined the lump. And then he said, This is a lipoma, a fatty tumor, nothing to worry about. 
If you'd like, I could remove it, or we could just leave it alone. Now, that was amazing. I mean, that, that's euphoric, right? That was amazing. But that wasn't what was special about it. I didn't tell you all this just to tell you that. I told you all that so I could tell you what's next. Because it was what happened after that that spoke to me, where God spoke to my heart. Because the doctor who's wearing his white lab coat, he does this. His arm is covered with lumps. And he looked at me and he said, I know a thing or two about lipomas. You're fine. Hold on, don't, 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 don't. Huh. And this is what God said to me through that experience. There isn't anything that I'm going through that he doesn't understand. It's almost like Jesus is going, you don't think I understand? He understands. And he may not change your circumstance, but he'll be with you every step of the way. Listen to me. It's easy for me to say this now, but God... Jesus would have been with me in the good news or in the bad news. The constant isn't the news. The constant is the presence. Every step of the way, what he wants me to do, what he wants you to do, is focus on the upper story like Jeremiah did. Trust him in the things that I cannot control and rely on him in the areas where I can. How about you? We're moving to a time of decision. Thank you for joining us. A special thank you to those of you that choose to give to this ministry. It's because of your generosity that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit thecrossing.net forward slash podcast for more information. If you enjoy the podcast, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends, tagging One Crossing on social media. Thank you so much for listening.